Hi, Spring fans. Welcome to a beautiful podcast. I'm your host, Spring Developer Advocate Josh Long, and this show is all about the real heroes behind Spring and its ecosystem. Hi, Spring fans. Welcome to another installment of a beautiful podcast. How are you doing this fine, sunny afternoon? Uh, at least it is here in sunny San Francisco as I record this on a Thursday afternoon. Uh, it's great here. The weather's warm. The lo- days are long. It's my favorite time of the year, and I hope you're having a great day, great time of it as well. Uh, I am uh, just about to go on the the uh, the uh, cloud native uh, crew show with uh, my my uh, teammates Corey Brooklyn and Deshaun Carter. Uh, obviously, Deshaun is uh, uh, not. I don't think he's in today's episode, but he, you know it's a uh, a rotating cast. It's often all three of us. Sometimes it'll be just two of us, or maybe just one of us, depending on uh, uh, you know, inextric- you know, inextricable uh, uh, commitments and all that. But uh, I'm just really excited. Today's episode is going to be really, really good, and I hope you're all listening to both this podcast and watching that show. That show is on YouTube, and uh, or at least it, you know it's on Twitch, and and uh, I think YouTube as well. Uh, this show is you know we've started doing it. We're doing it once a week. Uh, so far, maybe it's every other week. I don't know, but it, you know, it's brand new. We've we've done two episodes so far, and they've been fun. They've been a lot of fun. And every time we have this instinct to like pre-produce and uh, prepare and all this stuff, it always backfires. Backfires, and the the result is, I think, that we do these really great, dynamic, high-energy shows because we're all just kind of flying by the seat of our pants. You know, it's just a lot of fun. So join us for that, the Cloud Native Crew. Um, uh, I'm excited about that episode. I'm about this. I'm also excited about this podcast, of course. I'm also, if I'm honest, I've got a little bit of nerves. I've got a little bit of. Uh, I'm kind of uh, anxious, you know. On Monday, I I, I board a flight headed for London uh, for uh, the amazing Devox UK uh, show, uh, and that'll be my first international conference um, since the since the plague, since the pandemic hit us, right? Um, and I just I've I've so missed this show. I've uh, I've so missed seeing people in person, but I am a little nervous about the, uh, you know, about the prospect of being stuffed in a flying sardine can with other people's, uh, uh, respiratory <laughs> diseases and, and all that. But, uh, I did it before I can do it again. It'll be fine. I suspect. Um, actually I'm, you know, they, it, when it rains, it pours, right. Uh, I'm, I'm going from like no shows for two and a half years to, uh, this, this, this will kick off, I think 40 or 45 odd days of, of being on the road. I won't even have a chance to come home uh, before that, right? So I'll be at, among other things, DevOx UK. I'll be at Spring IO. I'll be at J Nation. I'll be at the Spring One Tour event in Toronto, uh, Canada. Uh, then I'll be off to Berlin for the We Are Developers event. Uh, you know, it's just going to be a lot of fun. So I, I look forward to seeing you at any and all of those uh, locales and locations. Don't hesitate to get your tickets now if you haven't already, although I suspect it's probably too little too late for DevOx UK as that's happening just next week, which is crazy to me. Crazy, because uh, uh, crazy not least of all because they actually had a, a DevOx UK online thing, or maybe it was a hybrid thing. Yeah, it was a hybrid thing just last year. I think it was like August or, or September, in which I participated, albeit remotely. Uh, so to go back, not even, not even uh, I suppose it's nine months, but not even a whole year later, to go back and, uh, and do it again is just a, a privilege, you know? Uh, and this time in person, it's going to be a lot of fun. I am, however, a bit sad that I have to leave uh, San Francisco. It's been a lot of fun being at home for all these last two and a half years. Um, I have a privilege. I have a, I have a, the good fortune to be able to work from home. And uh, San Francisco, you know, you could do a lot worse than San Francisco. I mean, to be fair, 
you could also do a lot better. I'm not trying to say it's the best place in the world. It's just, it's just not bad, you know, and, uh, home is where the heart is, they say, and my, my family's here. So it's a bit sad after having been, um, uh, able to spend all this time with these wonderful people to have to get on a plane and, uh, take wing again. Um, but you know, it's okay. It'll be over before I know it. Um, and in the meantime, um, you know, I've got things to look forward to when I get home, right? I've got my family, the aforementioned family, of course, and we have a jacuzzi. Uh, I don't know if you people appreciate the, the magic of a good jacuzzi, but uh, there's nothing better in the warm weather than a nice jaunt in the jacuzzi, uh, maybe with a nice coffee or something like that. Um, yeah, things are happening here, right? The, like I said, the days are long, the weather's wonderful, uh, so it's it's good. Actually, this week was great because, uh, you know, while the while the why of the story is a story for another day. The, the what is that there were a bunch of uh, spring team mates who visited my fair city this week. Um, and it was just great to see them in the, in the flesh, as it were, uh, for the first time in literally years, which is crazy. I mean, I, uh, our team is the most geographically distributed team within the organization, as far as I know, um, in that we are not all sat in one location or one office or anything even re- uh, approaching one location, right? We're truly a worldwide open source distributed team. Uh, and so for the spring team, the pandemic, I think was just more of the same, right? It was just more of, well, I guess we're working online, but we were already always working online. And this is just uh, an extension of that. Uh, but because they're so distributed, it was rare even before the pandemic for all of us to see each other. Like, you know, we had spring one and we had uh, the spring one tour events in which some of us would show up, but uh, really to see all of us in one place that, that almost, ha- almost never happened, uh, save for spring one. And by the way, that that is happening this year in person. I'm so excited. That's December of this year, also in my fair city of San, sunny San Francisco. So book your tickets now. It'll be a lot of fun, and tons of us will be here. But anyway, that that getting together before the pandemic was super rare. And I, by virtue of the fact that I used to be on the road all the time in all these different uh, geographies, uh, I got to see a lot of the spring team. I got to see a lot of more of uh, the the other members of the spring team than the spring team got to see each other, right? Um, I mean, I'm part of the spring team, but you know you know what I'm saying, right? I got to see them, whereas they didn't get to see the rest of their, uh, of each other. Uh, and and to, to have that all just taken away, it's just, oh man, I, it sucks. I mean, I know you all know how uh, miserable that pandemic was, but um, it was such a scarce, it wasn't like I had, I've never had, I, I've, been, I've been on the spring team for going on close to 12 years now, right? I, I still haven't had a moment where I'm like, gosh, I hope I never have to talk to that guy or gal again. You know, it just never happens. You know, I've, I've, it's been every day. I'm just like, oh, I can't wait to get, I can't wait until, until somebody teaches me something great. And then, you know, usually by lunch, I've learned something great, you know, from, from talking to these amazing people. So I have so missed them. This plague, this stupid plague is stupid. And uh, uh, I'm so excited about the, uh, the opportunity that we had to, some of us, just a handful of us really this week to, to congregate and chit chat and catch up. Um, this little community of ours, my friends, it's, it is something to cherish. There are so many people that punch above their weights in terms of uh, quality and co- quantity of contributions to the general good. Uh, one such member, of course, is my friend Chandra Gunter, who's today's guest. Uh, he is somebody I gladly, unreservedly, un, uh, unflinchingly, without a question, without hesitation, uh, nominated or co-nominated, I suppose. I, I, I think I led the, the nomination, but, uh, you know, when we do these kinds of things, uh, others will co-nominate to add strength to the nomination. And this one was an easy, easy sell. It was a, it was a, <laughs> we didn't really have to nominate. There was no, it was just sort of like, here's the next Java champion. And we all just said, yeah, that's, well, that, yeah, obviously. Uh, and 
uh, we were all it's and it's a common frame, common refrain whenever we nominate Java champion there's always in intellectually there's this incredible sort of deluge of comments saying i can't believe person x or y is not already a java champion absolutely here's my vote take it you know um and that was you know it's what happened here again um so i was just i'm, I'm a big uh fan and i was just very glad to uh give you know to see him get that uh, uh admittedly um minor modest not you know recognition uh and he deserves so much more he's a java champion now uh, for a few years, he's a leader in our community, leading two different Java user groups. He's a top-tier technologist, a teacher, an engineer, an open-source enthusiast, uh, and he knows a thing or two about Spring, as we'll see shortly. Uh, he's one of the folks that I I've wanted to have on the show for a long time. Isn't that always the case? I feel like I say that a lot, but there's there, I have like a, a wish list of legends I'd love to lure onto the show, uh, and you know it used to be so much easier. I could just kind of. Uh, kitty cat pounce on them from behind a pole or, or call them at a conference and say, hey, uh, I want to do an episode of my podcast in the sense they're all uh, unfailingly polite and kind. Uh, most of them would acquiesce and we'd do a show. Um, but, uh, you know, in the pandemic, again, all my all my usual routines, uh, they, they, they failed me. Uh, anything that relied on geo proximity uh, would, would would disappoint, uh, I would come to find out. But that's okay because people have been very good about uh, just, just saying yes and uh, and having conversations with me, and I just really appreciate it. And and uh, Chandra is one of those people that I talk to all the time. We we have a we have a you know we talk about random stuff all the time um, in back channels, and it was just such a wonderful thing that he finally was able to uh, to join us on the show today. So I'm I'm doubly excited about this, not least of all because he's an amazing person, and because it's been one of those things I've just been anticipating eagerly, like a like a child the night before before Christmas. Um, uh, for a long, long, long time. Uh, so I hope you get something out of the show. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you learned something new. I certainly did, and that's what I think. You know, uh, that's that's my mark. That's the mark of 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 a good show for me. Is uh, did I learn something? I mean, I hope you learned something. But if I learned something that I feel like I didn't waste my energy uh, having the conversation in the first place, and I always love to learn something. Chandra teaches me great stuff. So enjoy, my friends. And as always, uh, you know, we'll talk to you next time. Okay, well, oh. did I get to catch? Were you at Dev Nexus? Yes, I was at Dev Nexus. Did we get to hug? I believe so. Yes, oh it was God. a very brief moment. With uh, yeah, we took a picture together um, in the AC. Oh, hotel. oh, thank God! Oh <laughs> man, I, I have, I have a. It, that was an intense visit. That was a really quick, wonderful visit with a lot of friends, and uh, I was glad we. Oh yeah, that's right. You were on the couch, maybe. Or were you over there on the other side of the bar? Uh, the couch, yeah. Yes. I think you were on the couch. And I think I walked over and kind of like hovered. <laughs> like a, uh, like a, a cat wanting. Hover. <laughs> yeah, I was like my, like a cat wanting his bowl, uh, you know, refilled or something. Yeah, that was, I was so happy to see you. I couldn't believe you. I was like, ah, that's, because you and I talk. We talk a lot because, you know, why not, right? Uh, and it's just, it was just great to see you in the flesh, man. It was uh, a rare and unique and unexpected privilege. It does likewise. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, so are you, I mean, before we get too far down the road, could you tell the people who you are and, you know, so, so that I don't butcher it? Sure. <laughs> Hi, my name is Chandra. Um, I work at a bank in uh, close to New York City. 
Um, I've been in the IT business for a very long time. I've uh, been a Java developer since 1998. Um, I am a Jug leader at two Java user groups in New York, Java SIG, and the Garden State Java user group, Garden State Jug. Um, I'm a Java champion, and um, I love open sourcing Java stuff. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, you're a, a very visible name in our in our community. You know, it's been a, a privilege to watch you sort of uh, become more of an international figure. You know, you've always been very visible in the Java community here in the United States and all that stuff, but now your name is uh, renowned. So it's just really great to, you know, your amazing contributions have been, uh, I hope, more recognized, you know, more steadily recognized over time. Um, that's good. Yeah. I, and you're a recent Java champion. That's, that was, that was okay. one of those, that was one of those things where we, we are all like, wait, you're not, we didn't even know you, it wasn't even conceivable that you weren't already a Java champion. So nobody even thought to question it, you know, gosh, that was, um, yeah, good stuff. So, okay. Um, I mean, <laughs> what do you, so obviously you work at a bank and, and for people who are not in the know, um, New York has more than one bank, right? It's it, it's arguably the center of finance in the planet, you know. So uh, uh, you're going to find a bank or two there. So that's a big deal. Being New York has a tech sector. I don't think people. I think Silicon Valley gets a lot of the glitz and glamour, you know, but for no reason. I think. I mean, if you look at the technology that has to come out of uh, uh, you know, high frequency trading and, uh, and back end kind of stuff, back office kind of uh, stuff. That technology is every bit as innovative and scalable and interesting and uh, has lessons to teach us as some of the, you know, whatever machinations some website did to get their cat picture website working, you know, like, you know, who cares? It doesn't, you know, I don't care. It's just not that interesting. I'd much rather hear about what's happening in New York uh, or, or London to, to a lesser extent, I think, but, but still very true because as a, as financial capitals, you have this amazing tech, you know? And so I, I, I'm just, it's always impressive when you meet people that can thrive in that environment. I find the New York tech scene, you know, that's, those are some very tough interviews, you know? Um, it is tough. It is tough getting in, into the financial sector, especially in, a, yeah. in the IT world. But um, there are a lot of smart people here, so so it's it comes as a surprise to many that it's not just Silicon Valley. The Silicon Alley is equally good. And yeah, 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 exactly. That's from, I guess that's what I was trying to say. Like that whole roundabout thing was to say, I am just as impressed with New York and uh, and that whole that whole area, everything there. You know, um, it's good stuff. Ditto for uh, like. Los Angeles has a lot of game developers, you know, and uh, that that's a whole world of stuff that we don't really think about when we talk about like enterprise, this and that, and whatever. Uh, but there's some amazing stuff out of that, you know, whole ecosystem. Um, okay, good stuff. So you're working in a bank in the financial sector, which is nondescript. Uh, <laughs> well, you've been I in since of New York Mellon, uh, mm -hmm. in case if that that helps satisfy <laughs> someone's curiosity. No, no, no. Yeah. I, I was hoping you wouldn't say it, but if you want to, that's fine. But you work at a bank, a bank, and uh, can you, you know, you, you work on uh, open source as well. What kind of open source? So um, I do contribute to several open source products, uh, mostly um, related to Eclipse collections, 
Um, I have my own set of Java Katas that I um, sort of author, and um, they're open for other contributions as well, but it's a restricted contribution model um, because my workplace dictates some amount of, uh, I guess, uh, practices that we need to follow uh, for contributions from external, uh, I guess, contributors. Um, I also am involved in another effort more recently. It's called the Spring Katas. The, uh, there's a training for Spring and Spring Boot. Um, so yep. they're out there as well um, on GitHub. So that's that's so this, my current. Yeah, that's that, well, that's huge. That last bit, especially for me, is you know the most recent thing, and it's also one of the big things out there. It's grown like wildfire, you know, like a like a wildfire that creates instead of destroys. You know, it's a, it's a whatever that is. I don't know. It's grown like like Jimmy Carter, right? It's just <laughs> creating creating new opportunities for people. Um, what is what is a kata? First of all, for the audience. Right. That's an excellent question. So for most folk who are somewhat familiar with, let's say, a movie such as Karate Kid, uh, there's Mr. Miyagi and there's Daniel-san. And Daniel-san goes up to Mr. Miyagi to learn some karate moves because uh, he wants to fight. And uh, what Mr. Miyagi does instead is hands him daily routines like wax on, wax off, paint right. the fan, etc. Right? These are motions that Daniel-san was performing without realizing that he was building his muscle memory towards certain karate moves that he would have to use later. A code kata is a very similar concept in that you are given some templated form of, um, I guess, code that you can fill in, and you repeatedly fill in the same information or the same API calls or whatever, and you build up a muzzle memory to sort of learn and practice that particular section of code. Right. So so it's it's rote memorization, right? And uh, I know that it's it's in vogue to sort of disparage that style of learning, you know, to, to you hear about people uh, complaining about how that kind of style doesn't encourage creativity or whatever. And I, I couldn't be a more ardent a disagreeer with that, that take, actually. I, I, I have been lucky in my life to have achieved a few things that I know would not be possible, but for just relentless reapplication of the skills, you know, re, re, enforcing of the skills. Um, Correct. And, and if I may interject, right, there's one more benefit to such a model is that you don't have sure. to wrote, perform the exact same code every time. No. You have the ability to experiment because the scaffolding is set up and you're only focused on learning one single API or maybe alternates to that API, right? Um, so let's assume you start off with the Java collections first, and then you want to try Eclipse collections next. You could use the same um, code construct that exists replace just the parts that you want to try. And lo and behold, you learn multiple skills that way. So there is right. a benefit to, um, I guess, templated code samples that you are presented where you're not filling out the entire program. You're just focusing on the sections that you want to learn. Right. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it, it encourages uh, experimentation, right? But it's still very much your, you've got a, you've got to flex the same muscles over and over, right? You got to work out the same muscles over and over. You're not going to, it's not a completely different skill set to understand each time, you know, yeah. uh, which is great. Uh, like, do you ever, have you heard of, um, what is that called? The uh, learning centers for kids. Um, Kumon's. Kumon, thank you. I started with a K and I'm like, I could see the sign in my head. I just couldn't, couldn't make the uh, words out. At Kumon, I, they do amazing work, right? My, my kid, went there for, for a minute, you know, before the virus, you know, um, she would go to those centers and their, their principle is very simple. It's that you're not going to be able to understand the higher order stuff until you really, really internally 
understand the lower uh, lower bit fundamentals. Yeah. So you're, it's just you know, yeah, sure, you might understand division conceptually, but do you like how quickly can you get back to what it's doing? You know, like how quickly is it? How quickly does this spring to mind? How quickly can you apply the muscles to do division in your head or or addition or whatever? Um, absolutely, absolutely. And so they make them just do the same thing, not the same exact formula, but the same kind of thing over and over and over until they until they get it, and and they have to be able to answer the test, you know, and and, and so on. Um, that that approach has been it was it was good for her, and uh, you know, uh, I was interested to do some research on that, and yeah, it actually, you've got to you know, it really helps. It really helps. You can't learn higher order stuff without the fundamentals. So when I, just, to, just to provide some background, right? So there yeah. are different kinds of learners and, and I know there is a train of beliefs that this is not true, but I'm going to hold it as a fact for myself in that there are some people who learn by reading, some people who learn by doing stuff and some people learn by just watching videos. Now, yeah. um, this, this entire code carta that we open sourced uh, first started as an internal training material for us. So we were, uh, we were training college graduates that just joined um, and we would like them to conform to a certain standard in which our code exists, <clears throat> be it um, how we indent our races all the way to how we write our code, right? So you have code styles as well as um, expected ways of doing code, um, testing practices, et cetera. And one way we were able to enforce this was by creating some material that they would actually uh, learn from. We first started doing it verbally, found that it was not catching on much. And then we um, then even tried videos for a bit and that didn't work out so well. And now with the code card introduction, what we found is we can use these code cartas both as audio and visual aids um, and develop more material as well as provide people an ability to do things on the, by themselves. So there is the solutions exist along with the actual code. So you yep. can either just browse through the solutions and learn by reading, or you can watch videos on us solving the code cartas, or you can do the code cartas yourself. So it opened up the world to all three kinds of work. Uh, that's, that's smart. That's very smart. And it's hard work to do all, to be able to accommodate all three modalities. But, you know, again, I just, I love the idea. It was a lot of people putting in a lot of effort, but we got there now. So Yeah. Um, these cutters, I, I think anything you can do to uh, meet people where they are in terms of how they learn and all that, it's, it's valuable, right? But it's super hard because a lot of us don't really understand the concepts perfectly ourselves. And so I think teaching exposes you to the weaknesses in your comprehension of something. Um, and then to be able to figure out how that, how to envelop that concept in three different forms, you know, to be able to, uh, you know, that, that can't help, but make that those concepts even more crisp for the teacher and hopefully for the, uh, the accordant uh, user, you know? So, so uh, my motto is Doshendo Decimus, which actually means by you learn by teaching. Um, yeah. And it, it sort of helps because um, I learned a lot about Spring. And in fact, I don't know if you remember, this was back in 2017. I had first brought this kata uh, over to you uh, in New York City, if I'm not mistaken. It was you yeah. and a few others. And yeah. you pointed out some things in there for me. And uh, that helped me learn. So okay. there is a benefit to us sharing this information because uh, some people will reach out and say, hey, you did this wrong. There's a better way yeah. to do this. And lo and behold, right. um, benefits you and as well. It helps everybody. Yeah, yeah. So I, I trust these katas are still used internally, or at least that I hope they are. But even if they're not, they're available now for for the rest of us to benefit from, right? Um, yes, they they've kind of, they've taken off like, like, like I said, wildfire. So last I checked, there was, what, how many, 400 stars? Now there must be like a thousand. Uh, 
400, yeah, 400 stars, right? Like it just, it keeps growing and growing and growing. And uh, yeah, that's a uh, GitHub. Can I, can I mention the GitHub? Yes, please. Uh, it is uh, github.com slash BNY Mellon slash spring dash Kata. And it yeah. has both spring framework and spring boot. Um, and a few more things will be added soon. Uh, follow along and you will, you'll see more getting added. So I love this experience. I love this experience because I have tried both ways. I have tried, like if given the time, I will always reinforce Spring Framework before I bother with Spring Boot. I don't, and I almost don't envy the people that started with Spring Boot in 2022, you know, eight years on since the world of just Spring, right? Good. It's been, you know, it's been a long time, more than eight years since we introduced Spring Boot. Um, that's actually a good point. April 1, 2014 was 1.0 GA, and we announced it in 2013. So we're closer to nine years of Spring Boot in some inc incarnation or another. Um, so it's been a long time. There are millions of developers who have written, you know, presumably millions of apps. Yeah, yeah. Countless apps that were based on Spring Boot and never had just regular Spring Framework, you know? Um, that's something I don't we know deeply about. Um, we we care about the Spring fundamentals because it makes teaching Spring Boot so much more easier for us. So right. when we use terms in Spring Boot, they immediately relate to the base fundamentals of Spring, and they catch on quicker. So it it sort of helped us. It it's helped. Yeah, it's really good. I and I I find all the stuff to be particularly easy. And I can't help but wonder if it's just because I've got Spring framework experience. You know, I've got that core uh, fundamental sort of knowledge. And whenever I do a workshop, if I do something more than a few hours, I will definitely teach some basic spring, you know? Uh, but usually if I'm doing a, a short focused thing, people self-select into the talk. They already know spring boot or, you know, enough to feel like they could grok what I'm going to uh, talk to them about. And, you know, it works. But, I, you know, if you take an audience and they just don't know anything, got to start with spring framework. So to see that you've got a section on spring framework and the core fundamentals and all that, that's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> do you teach the XML stuff? I'm sorry? Do you teach the XML? Yes. So we ah, go cool. deep down um, all the way to uh, the Spring Origins where we do XML-based beans um, to converting them into, uh, I guess, the Java-based annotations. So everything in between is covered. Uh, we do sections on um, dependency injection and inversion of control because that's a topic most new developers find very hard to understand and differentiate. Um, yeah. testing, testing is extremely important for us. So spring testing is something we cover um, heavily within this. And then of course, the persistence layer is something that uh, naturally evolves into as the next topic. Um, we also do spring MVC uh, towards the end and package structure on how we package internally, um, uh, you know, how we lay out our, I guess, controllers and our services, et cetera. Right. So that's something that we focus on. And then once these topics are covered, we take about two days doing this. Uh, right. Chapters, and then we switch over to Spring Boot. And that's about three more days of effort. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, two days. Wow. So that you can actually get a full grasp of Spring Framework in just two days. That's, that is a very good uh, tutorial, very good training. I mean, I, to be honest, I don't think people need to, I think you can get an app up and running in far less, but to understand it, to truly grok it, I don't think two Absolutely. days is a lot to ask, quite the contrary, you know? Um, yeah. And it'll take you places. It'll take you places um, if you do understand. I, I, I find that, again, if you, if you, if you reinforce those fundamentals in that, in that uh, Kuman style, it just, it, it extrapolates, you know, uh, 
much, much more so what, quickly. What we've done is basically put out um, a text format. I mean, there's ASCII doc in there, content that you can read. And then there's yeah. links to examples that you can refer to. And once you understand and assimilate the knowledge within those, there's a lab exercise that you have to perform right away. So is it similar to a copy paste? More or less, but you have to apply some logic because it's a different um, theme of exercises compared to what you see in the examples. So right. um, in our examples, we use shape-based. In our um, labs, we would do something else. So we've sort of separated out um, what they learn and how they can apply it to something else. That's awesome. Yeah, the the, the ability to understand the fundamentals and then uh, ex extrapolate is huge, huge. Um, so you talk about excellent. I can't. I mean, that's great. You know, that really is good. You and I, when did you learn Spring? Like, what was your experience? Actually, let's talk about let's do this the other way around. How did you get into Java? How did I get to Java? That's a great question. Um, I am originally Sorry. a small talk developer. Um, started my career with, um, I guess, I guess I started with C. And then I moved into small talk. I was doing small talk for a while. And right. um, there was an opportunity and the opportunity asked for a small talk to Java converter, right? And that's when I was hired and uh, they, they sort of asked me to um, just learn Java quickly. Um, right. I was younger back then and it was easy for me to grasp the fundamentals of Java within a week. And within a week, I was productive enough and <laughs> able to sort of write the code that they were looking for. And I found Java interesting. And uh, that was how I got started at Java. Um, more recently, I think uh, 2003 is when I started using Spring in earnest, and I was right. uh, developing uh, uh, an implementation of JSR94, uh, which is your rules API. So that was something that I started, and the best place I could find to get this done was using Spring. So that's where Spring came in. And oh wow! So so I loved Smalltalk. Um, I didn't get to play with it very much, but I got to play with uh, Objective C as well, and that also drew a lot from the small talk. Like Absolutely, methods, yeah. methods were messages as opposed to invocations. Right. They're not functions, you know. They have a, a this reference. They're objects yeah. by themselves, and it's kind yeah. of a cool concept. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, and I, and I quite like it. I mean, I, you know, what was that? Um, what was that? There is, I think that. Oh gosh, that guy talked about how. Um, let me see. Method, met, methods are messages, right? That's the um. Yeah, that's the small talk mantra. Yeah, but there, who was the guy who said it? Not Tony Hoare. That's the Tony Hoare um, was uh, the null, right? He null was... pointer, billion dollar mistake. Yeah, yes. but yes. methods are messages. Yeah. Oh gosh, I'm trying to remember. Anyway, that he he called it his big mistake. Because he talked about object orientation, he defined the terms. Alan, in case, case maybe OP. Um, Alan K. Alan K. Could be. Um, he he is a major small talk advocate. Yeah, he talked about how uh, his he he kind of regretted that um, people took the the term object focused on the object instead of the actions, right? Uh, and and that wasn't what he was hoping to focus on. It was OOP, it shouldn't have been called OOP. And so you get languages like C and, and Java that focus entirely on this encapsulation right. and methods are verbs that apply to that object, but that wasn't, it's not what he was hoping for, right? He was looking for something more like Smalltalk. Um, right. <laughs> Smalltalk is one of those amazing, I mean, I like Java, don't get me wrong, but you know, uh, I do, I really found Smalltalk and Objective-C to be 
you know, such a quite, pleasant, yeah, pleasant to deal with. And, and it's his joy. I mean, when you don't have to deal with files and all you're dealing with is objects and messages. Yeah. It's amazing. So I just, I would just Google this right now because we're talking and I was just trying to find that Alan Kay reference. Um, and uh, it was, oh yeah, it was designed by, among others, Alan Kay. Okay, that explains. Now, sorry, it's been a minute since I had to remember all this stuff. But so apparently in 2017, it took second place as the most loved programming language in the Stack Overflow developer survey. Wow, like, it's great. It was so good, right? People don't, it was 42 years ago you know, 50 years ago, it first appeared. It, it's a half century old, this language. Yeah, yeah. And it still takes second place in, you know, in the, in the last five years. Yeah, that's funny you mentioned that because all these uh, modern concepts, for lack of a better term, Docker, et cetera, um, originated with Smalltalk. Smalltalk was image-based. So you write yeah. your programs in an image and you bundle this image and you port your image around. And yeah. that's what Docker does now. So yeah. <laughs> the concept existed a while ago. Oh yeah, I and mean, that's, I mean, that's the other thing is you can, the image itself was written in small talk. So you could, That's correct. you know, you could, uh, you could, you could affect your own environment. You had a runtime and you could, you could, that's what, I don't think people understand how weird it is to not have a runtime. You know, we take it for granted today in Java, but Java, yes. <laughs> you can ask questions about the type system. You can ask questions about the container I'm in, right? Because there's this explicit concept that there uh, is a of container. a context. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, whereas with, whereas before, I mean, if you're in C, there's no, you, you know, there's no boxes, there's no containers. There's binary and that's, that's all you get. And you create a yeah. different binary on every uh, operating system. Yeah. And you don't get to ask questions. You don't get to say, what's the signature for this function, you know, at runtime. You can't do that. You know, you can't add new functions to the binary right. dynamically, you know. Uh, yeah, just so Smalltalk, I think we owe a huge bit of gratitude for that. Lisp as well, you know, I think Lisp and Smalltalk, you get some of the, some of the synthesis, symbiosis of both of those, you know, the possibilities are amazing. So, okay, I can see why you're in small talk and then you wanted to do, then you decided to go work for the dark side and translate to Java. You wanted to, do, you wanted to create a, a translator, man. That's, how'd that go? So it was it actually, was a, well, it was taking- It was quite a successful product. Um, it worked for the company and uh, they moved over to Java and um, I was retained as a contractor for a while and I worked there, uh, did my part, uh, honed my skills on Java Swing, wrote some Swing yeah. applications back then and yeah. Um, yeah, and then moved on from there into other sectors. It is, so that that translator, it trans, I mean, you can express a larger swath of things in, you know, object terms with Smalltalk than you can in Java. So did you have to? Yeah, so was there like was a, some, um, yeah, there was definitely, it was more of parsing the Smalltalk text files and converting them into mm. Java code. So that's what it was uh, more of. Um, it was not too much code. It was just that they need somebody with expertise in Smalltalk who can understand and help yeah. translate. So That's amazing. Good stuff. Was the Smalltalk converter itself written in Java or Smalltalk? That's the real question. It was written in Java. So we would extract the text files into transcripts and then um, run it against the Java code. And is there a way to run Smalltalk on Java? That's the There is a question. way to run Smalltalk in Graal VM, yes. Right, uh, I, saw, I was just looking at that right now. <sighs> I kind of want to try this. Like, is this like, <laughs> is this like a, the truffle, the runtime thing? It is a truffle runtime base, yes. Huh, 
That's fine. We can project. And, I don't know. And if, you're on, uh, if you're on uh, Windows, there are several small talk environments you could try from. Uh, in fact, uh, Squeak, Dolphin. Um, yeah. There are a few small talk versions out there that you can still run on Windows. I unfortunately have a Mac, so I'm restricted to what I can use here. So I believe Squeak is the only one that currently runs on my Mac. Um, so. Squeak, yeah. There's a web framework. Was it Seesaw? Do you remember that? There's a. It was Seesaw a while ago, yes. Yeah, small talk. Wasn't that a web framework in small talk? I believe so. I think it was a JavaScript small talk kind of mash, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I could be wrong. Yeah, I'm, maybe I'm thinking of something else. Um, Seaside. No, that's not it. What is it? The framework for developing web application. It's called Seaside. I got that wrong. So uh, it's a, a Seaside. It provides a layered set of abstractions over HTTP and HTML that let you build highly interactive web applications quickly, reusably, and maintainably. It's based on Smalltalk, a proven robust language that's implemented by different vendors. Gosh darn it, that's cool. This is a 50-year-old language, and people are building, like I can do Ajax and cores and all that stuff with this. Yes, you can. Uh, so cool. I mean, this is, this is why when people joke about you know, Java being the new COBOL, no, oh. I want Java to be the new Smalltalk. I want it to be around for 50 years and loved you know, so profoundly mm -hmm. that even 50 years later, it's the number two on the developer survey for Stack Overflow, you know? That's, ah, what, a, what a nice situation to be in. Well, okay, so then you, um, then you joined, uh, then you, you started working in industry in Java, uh, with Java and so on. And, that, and by this point, it's 2002, you said? I think. Four, 2004. Four, ah, uh, gosh, okay. So uh, still, you know, nigh on 20 years now, 18 years at least. Um, what, you know, how do you find the ecosystem? Like what has changed? that you like, what, what, what were some of the things that you didn't find, what you, what were the things missing when you first joined the ecosystem and what have you seen that has like pleasantly surprised you uh, in the last 20 odd years? Pleasantly surprised, but very happy about, uh, definitely is uh, the community awareness, right? So when I first started, um, my learning techniques are very hard compared to the others. I don't learn by reading or by watching videos. Um, I learn by doing and by networking with folk who know stuff. So I was looking for a Java community around, and I stumbled upon one of the best Java communities out there, which was New York Java SIG, which I joined in 2004. Um, uh, I was so interested after two or three meetings, I went up to the organizer, Frank Greco, and asked if I could start volunteering with uh, New York Java SIG. And that became like one of the most favorite activities for me as monthly participation in the New York Java SIG. Um, eventually, I think back in 2010, I was made a jug leader. Uh, for the New York Java SIG, and um, it's been history since. Um, love, love New York Java SIG, recommend it heavily. And what I've found pleasantly um, surprising or, or happy- It's is the oldest, right? It is one of the oldest, that's correct. It's, I mean, yeah. there are two others which are equally old, but it is one of the oldest. In the country um, or the world? I believe both. Oh, wow, yeah, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's late 90s, right, or at the very- That's correct, that's correct. Yeah. So, um, and, and um, what I'm very happy about is the community awareness has increased exponentially over the years. Everyone is aware of the communities that are present. Everyone knows they can reach out to communities. And thanks to, I guess, the silver lining on the pandemic is everything became virtual. So people are able to sort of cross um, local communities and go over and check out other communities within, um, within the world and, and participate wherever and whenever. So that was a big plus. Yeah. It, it, it simultaneously separated people, but also connected them. You know, That's some they became much more reasonable to, because if you're gonna sit in front of a computer, you might, and, and for everything, you might as well just make the, 
Best you filter. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're traveling, if you're physically geofenced, your local context is by definition only other people in that same geofence. But if you can just sit, if you're going to be sitting at your computer all day and that's your entire life for the next two and a half years, then you know when you spin that roulette wheel, it doesn't have to be somebody in the same geography anymore. You know, anywhere. You turn, okay. Yeah. So it's great. I I do appreciate that. It was a lot easier to be in more places, albeit not physically. Not physically. That is true. I mean, um, I've had more jug meetups um, where I spoke uh, during the last two years than I had ever in the past. So I'm grateful for that. Um, oh, had a wow, lot yeah. of exposure across, and that helped. I mean, it helped me build a few more relationships in the Java community. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the, the, that has been good because, it, you know, I've certainly seen a lot more of you mercifully, thankfully, uh, in the last two years, you know, uh, that's the other thing is because like, like you, you know, we, I have other things I'm doing, so it's, it's not as easy. Yeah. You spend a lot of time, you and I both spend a lot of time at these events teaching. Um, uh, but, uh, we don't get to spend a lot of time attending and now it's so much cheaper to do that. You know, um, you just sit at home, get your cup of coffee and watch your amazing people. Um, it's good stuff. So the New York Java said, and then you, you, were you a co-founder of the, the garden jug? Uh, so this is another very old Java user group that has been in existence for about 20 plus years, uh, right. which was rechristened uh, two years ago. Uh, into Garden State Java User Group. So the Amateur Computer Society of New Jersey, ACGNJ, was the original um, jug, and we sort of revived it by calling it Garden State Jug, um, new management, new leadership, and uh, a lot more volunteers. And it has taken off like a hit. There's like, a, we get a decent sized uh, attendance for our meetups, which is awesome. And right. uh, it's, it's growing popular. So I'm very happy about that. It's like, it's, yeah, it is very popular. I, I've, uh, I've spoken there once or twice. And uh, uh, despite that, it has flourished, which is great. Uh, like, <laughs> hey, you, such a you good show. Speaker. I don't know if you remember. You were the first so, speaker we invited. Oh, see, so you, you got nowhere to go but up, my friend. Nowhere to go but up. That's, <laughs> that's always best. good. Yeah, all right. So, uh, when you find that, let me know. I No, that was great. I remember that being the first, yeah, I do remember that now that you say, now that you say it. Uh, that was a big deal for me because, you know, I think that was one of those things where I was, that was either in person for that one or was that one of those, I did one, in the, one or two in the pandemic, I think. Right. And this was all online. Um, by the time we started Every off one of them. Out, yeah, meetups. Yeah. Gosh, I can't believe it. Like it was such a great uh, show. And that's the other thing. Do you remember the V-Jug? Yes. Uh, yes. I think they're still doing meetups. I don't know. I have no idea, but back then it was such a lofty idea, which is let's do it online. You know, uh, it's like, Oh, well. for, for, uh, I believe they've uh, sort of taken a break because everyone is doing virtual these days. So I don't think we is doing much. Uh, hopefully yeah, they'll come back. Uh, it becomes more of the same, right? So if everybody yeah. is doing virtual, uh, they, they, they've quickly run out of uh, steam. And, and the biggest problem is there is definitely a, a burnout. Um, video of online burnout and most people these days do suffer from that is that everything has become so much online that we've sort of lost the physical connectivity that we feel uh when we go meet yeah. others yeah so you know as you and i both know it's there's it's it's very hard to replace that social dynamic that hallway track you know 
Um, Absolutely. And DevNexus gave us that opportunity. It was great to finally meet people again. Um, of course, uh, we were all trying to be safe, masked up, yeah. and whatever else. But it was nice to see people in person. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, I cried a little bit. I had some tears. Like, I couldn't believe Because that was my first in-person show. I don't know about you, but I'm sure uh, other people have been a lot more uh, prolific. But I've just, I, I've, you know, I've been a hermit the last two and a half years. Um, <laughs> And so the, the chance to finally see your face and others is just, it was overwhelming on the way out. I was like, I couldn't, oh, I was, I was, uh, it wasn't like bitter, you know, how bittersweet is when you're sad, but also happy about the same thing. Right. I was, I was sad and happy about two different things, right? I had conflicting pendulum swing, uh, feels, you know, like I, on the one hand, I had, I was so grateful that I got to see my friends and, uh, and, and just you know, soak up that amazing energy. Uh, but on the other hand, wasn't looking forward to getting on a plane full of COVID patients. That's right. Um, so I had to go home and I was like, I can't believe I got to be here. I don't, if I could just stay here, we don't have to go home. There's no, you know, there's less risk of getting COVID on a flight. If you don't take the flight. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and of course I think that's pretty unfounded. I think air, airfare has been shown to be demonstrated to be safe ish. Uh, now with the masks <laughs> off, I don't know if it's still safe enough, but um, no, I've, no, I've sort of decided to wait, um, not yeah. fly again until you know things settle down a bit. I was, I'm committed to a bunch of things, but I didn't know they were going to drop the mask mandate. That does not alleviate my concerns at all. You know, I'll be the only one with a mask, and you're not allowed to bring. Like I was, I even asked just as just at a, just on a lark, you know, I asked, hey, uh, do I can I bring one of those giant um, spacesuit helmets? you know like <laughs> you know scuba diving gear do i have to bring if am i allowed to bring that like, oh, no because if you're making your own oxygen then you can't bring it right but i was like well that's not exactly what i'm proposing i have a there are devices out there that have hepa filters you know they look like a like like a round fishbowl and yeah you look like a you look like a, a a goofball but you know i could sleep easy yeah exactly i could because i my big thing is I don't want to be on a flight for 10 hours or 12 hours or 15 hours, or whatever, you know, I've done 15 hour flights, like Australia to New York, whatever that was, I think, or maybe Singapore to Singapore to New York. That's a, that's, that's a big flight. Insane, that's a yeah. Huge flight. Right. I've done these kinds of flights and I don't mind. I'm happy on a plane. I, 15 hours on a plane is like 15 hours in front of my desk. You know, there's Wi-Fi. I'm usually in business class, good food, plenty of coffee. What, you know, what do I, it's fine. I, I'm okay. But now, 15 hours and every time somebody sneezes or coughs my heart skips a beat oh <laughs> you know yeah i don't know i'm not uh, i think it'll be okay though i'm gonna just try you just have um, to wait okay. a bit and... i don't know about waiting what's gonna get better i i don't i think we've all just kind of given up on caring so i'm gonna get on but i'm gonna get on with masks and like a you know goggles you can wear goggles you know that's one thing people don't appreciate like you cannot get COVID if your eyes and the, the T, there's a T there, right? Your eyes right. and then the nose and the mouth. So if your T, if your face T, whatever, is covered, it's impossible to get COVID. You don't have to worry about it. So yeah. if you're wearing a mask and goggles, you're never going to get COVID. Plus we have some natural defense systems with our uh, prescription glasses as well. So. Glasses too. Yeah, but I was wondering about the little, yeah, the the little hole on the left and the right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like in theory that, should be, I know that's true, right? That it gives you a substantial reduction, but not as much as just goggles, you know? 
And so I found some goggles I can wear on top of my glasses. Again, I look like a cornball, but safe. you know, <laughs> I'll be safe. Yeah, exactly. Like I won't, I can sleep uh, easily, you know? Um, I just want to be able to get there and see more people like you. That's all. It's been. Well, that, that pleasure would be mine as well. So I do look forward likewise. to that. So are there going to be in-person Garden State? Uh, yes, we are looking meetings? forward to going back to in-person. Uh, we're tr still trying to figure out the logistics of how we can manage a hybrid model. Um, we have a lot of international attendees for our sessions. We would yeah. like to continue retaining them, which means uh, while there's a session going on, some sort of a stream feed um, to YouTube or somewhere else where um, folk who are not from the local region can also participate. So that's something we're looking at. Okay, yeah, it's logistically challenging now, but you know, it used to be you just needed to, I mean, you already had to find a, a venue. That's hard enough, you know. That's now, you have to, now you have to You have to. care for both occurrences, both streaming and the venue, the, you know. And the venue, that's correct. Oh, and the, the streaming was, depending on how you did it, cheap, but venues can, you, you need sponsors, you know. That's true. And uh, more than sponsors, right? Um, one of the biggest grief about being in New York City is not finding venues. One would imagine with so many companies here that they would open up their doors, but the security here is way more stricter than it is in the rest of the country. So yeah. most buildings don't open up for meetups. Yeah, um, of course. Which means we have yeah. to continuously look for venues. That's another challenge we faced in the past, and I'm sure it's going to be a challenge when we reopen up. Uh, yeah, well, I'm not looking. I'm sure doubly, doubly scrutinized now. You know, I'm sure. I know that like technically restrictions have been eased but i know that a lot of companies and businesses are still very much like yeah but we're not going to get rid of everything yet you know let's just wait and see if this mm -hmm. uh you know mask mandates get reintroduced or we get locked down again or whatever yeah and, uh, and obviously i mean they're trying to be protective of their own staff and um reasonably so yeah i live in a condo building you know and i was for the longest time they just got there's a there's a there's a door people there are door people you know people that stand in a they sit in a, door, yeah. a desk at the front they're, they're, they're the front desk when you come into the condo building there's two people there that will receive packages and whatever and and if you if somebody comes to visit you they'll call you and all that so there's staff in the building right it's a big condo lots of people there's cleaning there's the door people there's the concierge all you know all this stuff yeah and uh I, they were here during the pandemic when everything locked down they were considered uh like emergency yeah employees yeah. what's that called um you know whatever they're critical, they were critical staff critical critical staff critical stuff back at i don't that doesn't sound right uh, but you know what i'm talking about they were considered like a, a very important you couldn't like force them to go home um but of course the building took on a very different shape suddenly there you know there's always like a little cage not a cage like a a desk they're surrounded by a desk like a U desk and there's a there's columns there and all that stuff well so, suddenly there's also now cordons you know like little little ropes whatever that that created an extra meter of space around the desk so they cordoned off their own um, sitting area so you can't go very close to them right exactly which is you know completely fine absolutely wouldn't wish them harm at all they were amazing and uh you know they but the but but even that is gone now you know oh. it finally it even when they reduced mask uh mask mandates last year and then they had to quickly bring them back um they didn't quite get rid of that cordon right and i think this time it's it's actually gone i'm like well that's 
I don't know which way the wind is blowing, man, but it's it feels like it's we're turning a corner for better or for worse. Let's um, see. I think um, uh, it's now being declared that the pandemic, the worst part of the pandemic, is over. So let's see if that holds true. Um, I'm looking forward to that time again. Fingers crossed. Well, okay. So looking forward, what's your what's your favorite thing about the Java ecosystem right now? You know, you mentioned the uh, vibrancy of the community and the ability to help learn. What do you like right now, and what do you see? What do you hope to see change? So I'm eagerly looking forward to Loom coming out. Java's new, um, I guess, lightweight threading model, Loom, uh, yes. is something I'm, I'm eagerly looking forward to. Um, I am still trying to catch up on where Valhalla is going. Um, that's 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 going to be an interesting value type use case. Um, yeah, and and I guess in general, the the pace at which Java's moving is amazing. Uh, yeah, staying current is something that is exciting, but at the same time scary because when you work at, uh, I guess, a larger organization, um, there's a lot of change that we'll have to get adapted to, and that's something. It's an apprehension, but at the same time, it's also an exciting time to be in. Absolutely, I'm looking forward to that. What do you think of Panama? I am interested in Panama. I don't claim myself to be extremely knowledgeable in the the pointer space. I've not done CS oh, yeah. for a long time. But yeah, I think um, as long as it becomes the replacement for JNI, let's bring it. Uh, bring it. Exactly. I, I'm i excited about that too, you know, making it so we can interrupt more easily, more readily. It's going to be so good. One of, one of the challenges with replacing, um, I guess, uh, more system code with Java code is uh, ensuring that all the checks that were in the system code can continue to exist in um, when converted to Java. So that's something that I'm apprehensive about uh, in that maybe we should take some time to let it mature out and see that there are no bugs and issues, and then we start adapting those features. So that's that's the only caution I would use. Other than that, super exciting times. I mean, the Java team has been doing wonderful, the OpenJDK team, which is comprised of yeah. several companies. They're doing yep. amazing work. and and. It's it's just awesome to see uh, Java grow. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm a huge fan. I I took time, uh, I don't know, a couple a week ago, whatever, something like that recently, just to tweet about that, just to mention how grateful I am for Java. And I think it's a feeling. I think a lot of us are feeling that. Uh, you and I are. Yeah, you've been doing it for. You've been an engineer for a lot longer than I, but I've been in the Java ecosystem a, a smidge longer and. Uh, either way, it's been decades, decades of doing this stuff, you know, and uh, uh, I, I just feel I, how crazy it is to be where we are right now, you know, to be 20 years into a, an ecosystem. Language and still, still and, being surprised by how quickly it's evolving. So it's kind and of how, how cool the new toys we're getting are, you know, yeah. um, like I, uh, I was talking to uh simon ritter and you know we're just talking about all the different ways that java has sprouted to make your applications super fast right there's a lot of different ways to get there jlink gravium native images uh and of course app cds and uh you know like app cds yes all this stuff and then of course there's like ready run you know azul has ready run and things like that there's just some amazing opportunities so um I, I, yeah, and the fact that it's all been introduced or improved or made mainline in the last five, 10 years, at most 10. 10 years, yeah. Yes. Mostly since Java 8, I believe, is when yeah. um, Java started evolving real quick and at a pace that is very um, interesting. Uh, yeah. Positively interesting. Yeah. Um, 
So I do have a question for you, though. Um, yes, sir. I have heard about Spring migrating from uh, off of Java 11 and 8 and into 17. Is that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, Spring Framework 6, that's baseline is Java 17, which, you know, it makes perfect sense, right? Absolutely um, does. Will it continue working with Java 11 or um, does? No. No. OK. Nope. It requires Java uh, 17 as a baseline because uh, well, first of all, remember we released Spring Framework five in uh, in 2017, and that was based on that was a baseline of Java eight, so five years, right? And if we extrapolate, kind of looking forward, I can't guarantee this is any kind of timeline at all, but extrapolate uh, Java, you know, Spring Framework seven, not six, but seven, the one after, will seven. come right. in future, five future. plus years. Yeah, right. so if we release Spring Framework 6 at the end of this year sometime, last quarter, I guess, then extrapolate five years, you know, we're now uh, 2027, yeah, right? 27. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it'll, be, it'll be Java 29 or 30 by then, right? So we, asking for Java 17 feels a little aggressive today, I suppose, although I don't agree with that even, but because really people should have been, on, been off of Java 8 Four years ago, with Java I, eleven, you know, I, I, but I um, have no, I have no concerns in that department. Sure, yeah, <laughs> but uh, but 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 it, and so to some, it feels a little aggressive. But it, look at where we're, look at the horizon here. Look at Java twenty nine. That'll be the. There's going to be a point where we're going to support everything from Java seventeen all the way through Java twenty nine or something like that. I don't know if it's. I don't know if we're going to support that. We might do a new Spring Framework release next year. I don't know. Probably not. Right. But uh, just extrapolating. I can't guarantee timelines. Obviously. Don't don't come after me, lawyers. You know. <laughs> so so one question that does <laughs> prop up is: Will the five five X series continue, or will that be completely dropped? Right. So that's something oh. that um, I guess uh, it'll be continued for a while, right? We we never just drop uh, a generation, right? There's always maintenance. There's well, there's more features, and then there's maintenance, and then there's I think you can even pay. I don't know. I have no idea at, at that point. But we like Spring Framework four can coincided with Spring Framework five for a long time, and I'm sure that'll be the same here. We don't ever just stop. Makes um, sense. Yeah. So, I yeah, we're not trying to answer my question. I know this was supposed to be, but I, I was curious. No, I mean, obviously, it's it's a thing people are asking about is, you know, what's the window here? And it's a thing we don't, because Spring Framework itself doesn't, just, we don't release new generations very often, right? Spring Framework, depending on how you measure it, right, came out in 2000. Their first bits of code that would eventually become Spring were written in 2001. So we're looking at 21 plus odd years, right, of of Spring, and we're only on version six. You know, that's that's amazing, right? That's three years on average, or so, a little bit more than three it's years. Still the most popular framework out there. So oh, by country mile, yeah, <laughs> uh, and that's only because it's consistent, it's stable, it works, right? You can actually take your code from yesteryear and move it reliably forward in time and, and it'll still work, which is, you know, it's hard to do that. It's hard to get that magic trick done right. Um, I, I, I think Jurgen and the team, they are owed a debt of gratitude just because, like, I don't know about you, but I've refactored things. My code is never right the first try. It's never right on the 10th try. Yeah. So for, for them to get it right so that it could withstand 20 plus odd years of evolution and still retain backwards compatibility is just, Mind-blowing. Mind-blowing, Mind yeah. Like, that's that's a skill that I don't think anybody has, really. Um, 
so yeah um good stuff i uh, java doesn't have a lot of i mean we've got we've got some mechanisms for insulating apis now especially with modules and and so on but uh you know it's when when spring was first written you know there was not that extra seal we got seal types we've got modules uh you know there's new mechanisms to further encapsulate your apis but spring was written before all that stuff yeah right and so for that at that point you know we tried you could see there are certain patterns and conventions taken for stuff that was really implementation details whatever but be, since we didn't have an explicit mechanism of doing that uh besides package visibility you know type visibility modifiers everything was fair game right everything is a public api if it's a public type so it's not just that we have a core abstraction and that's public and it's backwards compatible it's that we've got these implementation details that sometimes people glom onto uh without you know consideration for you know what we're trying to do and it's just that still works reliably i just i mean it's just amazing uh this is why i'm a big spring fan it's just i don't feel like they 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 abuse my my uh expectation and trust yeah and my investment into it right i i have trusted them to make my code work and they've more than kept their end of the promise you know um yeah it's crazy well sir i don't know i don't know i feel like we got i don't know what we talked about but we talked about a lot that's good i i've had a big big uh grin this entire episode just because i i think you like we we i think we tried to record an episode last time and i and i think i didn't have the microphone on or something like we actually talked before and it was so good and i enjoyed talking to you and i was so glad that we got to to catch up again you know because i uh, i missed you i really have i, I you're a nice human being you're, you're you're uh really you know obviously you and i talk about other stuff besides tech as well and so i just feel grateful you were able to come on the show i know you're super busy you know working in like I'm i said the new york tech scene we're trying to do this again so thank you for oh, that and my pleasure uh <laughs> I, I like I said I uh, sometimes I forget to turn on the microphone because it was the conversation so engrossing and you know I could do this all, all day long. Um people uh people are going to want to find out more about you. They should. They should absolutely go find more about you. So you're Chandra Chandra Gunter. Where do people go to find you on the internet? Um I'm mostly found lurking on Twitter. Um my Twitter handle is at @c g u n t u r c guntur. Um and I'm on LinkedIn. uh and uh, of course from there you can get to me on my github um i guess repos repositories as well and github.com forward slash bny melon forward slash uh sequin oh, tour but also bny melon forward slash spring kata that's correct so github yeah. bny melon spring dash kata is where you'll find the spring katas yeah and, and then sequin tour like, for all the other good stuff share, um please do share feedback if you have any uh we're looking to improve it constantly so thank you oh that's a good point yeah i've i've talked to you and you know things got uh you know they they were improved or at least changed so that they reflected some of the things i was hoping to see and then uh you know i i know you've been really good about maintaining it's a really vibrant project right i'm actually uh let me see if i'm looking at it right now you know there's well okay admit january so actually there's <laughs> it was, it's been a few months but yeah there people are sending pull requests there's updates all that kind of stuff very active very cool um I, i hope people check it out i hope they all check out your stuff as well you're just awesome my friend thank you thank you so much for that thanks for joining me on the show thank you very much for having me
A Beautiful Podcast is produced by me, Josh Long. I do these podcasts because I believe that everything we do in software is for and made better by people. I want to hear from you. I'm Josh at joshlong.com by email or at S-T-A-R-B-U-X-M-A-N on Twitter, where, of course, my direct messages are wide open. Do you have guest ideas, topic suggestions, feedback? Don't hesitate to reach out. If you like the show, then please consider rating it on iTunes and leaving a review, uh, as it really helps the show. I sampled music from Steve Combs's Them from Morning and Springtime and Steve Combs's Small Victory, both of which are licensed under a Creative Commons license. I'm trying to hire production assistants to make the production of this podcast easier. I want to make sure that we can add things like show notes and transcripts and, and just generally do more. If you would like to advertise on the show, then please reach out to me. Uh, and if you can't uh, or don't want to advertise but would like to otherwise support the show, then please consider supporting me at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Josh Long for as low as $4 a month. Thanks again. No harm came to any seasons in the making of this podcast.